Welcome to the Tilted Halo. This is a new podcast and it's for anybody who's a woman in ministry. You might be a pastor like myself, a bishop, a priest, a rabbi, music minister, elder, children's minister, whatever your title is, you're absolutely in the right place. Especially if you're someone who loves your ministry and you're doing it well and you're feeling pressure to sometimes be perfect and deep down inside, you know you're not. And how in the world to deal with that? And men, you're absolutely welcome here too because this is about ministry and the same thing can happen to you. So you're all in the right place. Let's get started with the show. There have been times in the not too distant past, and some of this is ongoing as I'm speaking with you today, that there are faith communities that are going through a struggle. And every faith community is kind of like a family. Um, and if it's been around for, you know, even 10 years, um, Every church, mosque, synagogue, temple, whatever, if it's been around a while, it becomes kind of like a family. And so when there are disagreements within a congregation, I'll use that as a generic term for any kind of faith community, when there are disagreements within a congregation, it can get tense. It can get intense. And it can get painful. Some of the things that I've been hearing are because there's been some changes, perhaps, or perceived changes on the part of uh, some people within a congregation as to um, the denomination's policy or some things about how the faith is being expressed. And there are people who are saying, no, that's not appropriate. We don't want that. It's not for us. And that's fine. Not everybody has to agree with um, a certain kind of policy or a change. But when it becomes an issue of demanding that everybody within the congregation believe the same way. And you know perfectly well that not everybody in the congregation does believe the same way. It becomes a power struggle, for one, but it also becomes uh, like a family or a marriage where it's being pulled apart. And those fights those differences in how to structure something can uh, lead to um, kind of a divorce, if you will, uh, where some members stay with the original uh, congregation and their ideas and other members, uh, a significant chunk of them, split off. Um, my husband and I, are both pastors, and we uh, served together at a congregation for uh, over a decade. And the history of that congregation is that it was formed uh, over a disagreement. Uh, 
there were some members within the faith community who believed that uh, there were certain practices and procedures. Uh, it wasn't a theological thing, but a, it was a, a procedural issue about how to do uh, what I know as Holy Communion. And there were others who said, no, that's not really that important. Well, the ones who said it was really important eventually split off. And they did it kind of as a, what you might call a, a happy divorce, <laughs> if there is such a thing, uh, um, a happy split, because for uh, a while they shared the same building, met at different times, and uh, the people were related to each other as well. So they they did it as a, an agreeable disagreement, and if that's possible. Um, and one faction of that grew into the congregation that my husband and I served. And eventually that other group grew smaller and smaller. And after uh, a church fire, actually, where the accidentally uh, the building burnt down, it was on a Christmas Eve. This was back in the late 1800s, and they had a wood stove in the center of the the building, uh, and it started a chimney fire and on the roof, and the building burned down. Um, they did manage to everybody get out, and they saved uh, things like the, the Bible and other things that were important to the congregation, but they no longer had a building. So they they then merged with the other group which was the congregation my husband and I served. And that was an agreeable way to do this. It was unfortunate that there was the split to begin with, but those people kept talking with each other. They kept in contact. There are other issues, though, that I'm hearing about more recently where, you know, it's like who's allowed to be a leader within the congregation? Um, when I was growing up as a female, I could not be a leader. In fact, when I was growing up, the only people I saw leading a congregation were all male. And so there was absolutely no place in that kind of leadership role for me as a female. And it took many years of um, my faith community talking about that and studying scripture and looking at scripture and talking with um, many people to change that policy. But even after the policy changed, there were people who were very uncomfortable with the idea of a woman being a pastor. And when I became a pastor, it was only 10 years after that change had been instituted within the denomination. And there were a lot of people, even 10 years out, who were not sure that if they had a woman preaching, that maybe the roof was going to fall in or something on that order. But many of them found out that, you know, the message 
doesn't change. The messenger may look different, may sound a little different, but it's like a gift. If you have uh, two boxes at a holiday time and one is wrapped in uh, a very fancy paper, so to speak, and the other one is wrapped in newsprint, um, you know, you pick whichever one you want, but it's not the wrapping that makes the gift. It's what's inside. And that's the same with uh, who is allowed to be a leader within the faith community. And it was true uh, as people understood that, yeah, I look different than their traditional image of a pastor, but the message is still the same. Some of the things that I'm hearing today um, are more contentious. And there are people who are really working to pull congregations apart and to pull people away from one faith group into another faith group. And it becomes a power struggle between faith groups, uh, what sometimes has been referred to as sheep stealing amongst uh, faith leaders, uh, trying to pull people away to uh, have them then join another faith group because that other faith group has got it right uh, and the one that they're pulling people away from isn't right. And there are people who come in and kind of whisper or not whisper sometimes, shout these accusations of saying, no, God says no, 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 no to certain things. And it breeds discontent. And then you have the issue of the pain that that brings within a congregation. Uh, A pain that sometimes becomes very personal to people who have members of their family who believe uh, and follow lifestyles that are different from what these new voices are saying is right or wrong. And it becomes very personal in that case and very painful. And then it pulls at the very fabric of communities and at families within congregations, within um, because some congregations are still uh, very much family related, literally family related. Where, if depending upon where it is, uh, you may have people who've been there or, or their family has been in that congregation for several generations, and they may be related to many other members of that congregation. And then you have one person uh, or one part of that congregation saying that the beliefs and the practices of other parts of that congregation are wrong. And it becomes a family fight and literally very painful within those faith communities. It's a way of pulling a wedge between people 
and having sometimes it's outside people pounding that wedge in, sometimes it's inside people. Doesn't matter which it is, but it creates a division, a division which will take years, maybe even generations, to heal, if that's even possible. There is a story that I learned of serving that congregation where my husband and I were were pastors together, of there is a way to heal those things, but it can be very difficult. Um, The congregation that we were serving, part of its history was that uh, in the 1860s, towards the end of the Civil War period, just after the Civil War, in fact, um, and this is in one of the southern states, the church building uh, burned to the ground. This was a different church, uh, not the one I talked about earlier today, but um, the one where my husband and I were serving. And it was assumed to be uh, natural causes until uh, somebody discovered in the woods that the church Bible and the communion ware were hidden in a hollow log. And suddenly it was realized that that wasn't so accidental. Uh, that somebody had deliberately set that fire. And it turned out that it was uh, very much a deliberate action because there were uh, there was a member of the congregation who was upset with uh, one or more other members of the congregation. And this upset member um, hired somebody, was a former slave, uh, to burn down the building. But the slave realized that it was improper to burn the Bible and the communion wares, so he removed them and hid that. Now, I don't know what the result of, legally, what the result of all of that was. That I don't know. But the the history of that event was well known in the congregation. What was not known was what some might call the rest of the story. And that is that there was a uh, a gentleman in the congregation who was kind of a church historian. And he learned from his father who it was who had uh, hired the burning of the church who had uh, you know was really the person behind this and his son who was I'm an older gentleman at the time uh, that I was serving there his son heard from his father uh, about that that the father knew who this person was who had instigated burning down the church building and the son asked his father to please tell him, but the father refused. He refused to tell who it was who had initiated the fire. And the reason was, he told his son, that there were still descendants of that man who were members of the congregation. And he did not want those 
descendants to be saddled with, uh, weighed down with what an ancestor had done decades, even a century before. And so the father took that information with him to the grave. And to this day, nobody knows who it was who hired the burning of the church. And that was a way of bringing healing within that congregation. But that's not always possible. And there are other situations that happen where the rift and the pain of a story of something that happens within a congregation goes on for decades, for many decades, becomes part of the the living fabric and history that gets passed down by people. And it becomes very personal. Some people, that's, you know, their viewpoint on what happened. They were right. And they, they were maybe even the victims of another group of people or another person in there. Uh, and, or they feel like they were pushed out because of what they believed and how they wanted things to go. And that becomes so painful when we decide that the, you know, that there's only one way to go about faith and to um, put together a congregation and to have it structured and to have decide who the leaders are within that congregation when there's only one right way. And of course, it's my way. You know, when that kind of thing happens, it's going to be painful because there's others there who are not going to agree with that for all kinds of different reasons. And then you have the divorce within that uh, faith community, within that congregation. And it literally rips people apart. It's painful to see. And I'm seeing too much of that, way too much of that these days in multiple denominations, in multiple places where there's a tearing at the very fabric of faith communities because there's one group of people who decide that the way things are or the way things are moving within that denomination, that no, that's not right. And that's wrong. And they take a stand for their position, and that's fine. But don't pull other people apart with you. You can state your position. You can, you know, make your decisions whether to stay or not stay within that congregation. But don't go pulling apart a congregation in the process. It's like pulling apart a family. And everybody winds up getting hurt. So fights within a faith community, within a congregation, they're as painful as fights within a marriage and with a, as a divorce. Open yourself to hearing and understanding. Open yourself to the possibility, the possibility 
that you can live together in a congregation without having to agree on every issue, whether it's on something like abortion or politics or whatever it may be. And those are things that are pulling congregations apart these days. Yeah. State your position. And if it's not the same as the congregation you're part of, then it's okay to leave and find one where you can feel comfortable. But don't pull people apart with you. That's not the loving thing to do. So think about that as you think about your faith community. If you're part of a congregation, if you've been part of a faith community, and if things like that are happening within your faith community, what can you do to be someone who helps heal things, to be a voice for not necessarily compromise, but seeing and allowing people to have two different positions and still be there together, to still be able to live together and work together and be caring about each other together and to share those differences as people of faith and to realize it's okay. And you can put things into your constitution for your congregation that, uh, you know, do say things that are agreeable to everybody. Uh, But be careful. Be very careful. And, you know, think about what you're saying and how you're saying it. Because if you're saying some things are bad and wrong, you're also probably saying that there's some people within that congregation who are bad and wrong. And that's going to be hurtful. Whether that's what you intend or not, that's going to be hurtful. And then it begins to rip at the fabric of faith and of a congregation. So may God's peace and blessings as you understand God's spirit or universe, bring healing and comfort. If you are ones who feel wronged or hurt, talk about that, the pain that it brings, but also be open to hearing the pain that somebody else is experiencing that's leading them to say what they're saying what they may be afraid of, what they may have heard over the years. Why are they doing that? Help them to see that as well. So, God's peace and blessings to each of you. And next time, try to have something a heck of a lot more cheerful to talk about. So, but this is the Tilted Halo, and I am the Tilted Halo. So, Come back again for another episode, and I'd love to see you again. You have been listening to Tilted Halo with me, Kathleen Panning. What did you think about this episode? I'd really like to hear from you. Leave me some comments. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share this episode. And catch another upcoming episode for more conversation on ministry, life, mindset, and a whole lot more. 
go to www.tiltedhalohelp.com where I've got a resource guide and other resources waiting for you. And be sure to say hi to me, Kathleen Panning, on LinkedIn. See you on the next episode.